Well, this summer year, it's sort of uh, time for renewal, time for refreshment, and I'm going to, I've got a couple of messages I'm going to preach over the next uh, couple of months in January and February when I'm down to preach. I think I've got four times in that time where I'm preaching, and I wanted to preach some messages on overcoming, and this week is about overcoming fear of not ha- the fear of not having enough. I think I've got one on overcoming fear of the future, overcoming fear of leadership, and there's another one that's overcoming fear of, and I can't remember what that is, but anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> fear of forgetfulness, is that what it was, John? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly, but I forgot. <laughs> um, anyway, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you for just your, uh, the way that you, uh, you've provided your word, Lord, to highlight and to lead us and to enlighten us in areas that we are not aware of. And God, it's, your word is so rich. It's so full of your promises. It's so full of instruction and it's full of your grace and love as well. And so, Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, that we have access to your word, and we thank you that we get to look at it, at least today, but we pray, Lord, as we look at your word through the week, that you would just continue to speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in Numbers 11. That, so my messages actually come from Numbers. I've been, at the end of last year, I was in um, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And you say to me, why would you torture yourself and do that? But there are such rich things in these Old Testament books. Uh, and in fact, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but when Jesus was in the desert, when he, when he spoke um, and, and was in spiritual warfare with Satan when he was being tempted for those 40 days and 40 nights, the scriptures that he used to defeat the evil one were actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So I figure if it's good enough for Jesus to read the Torah, it's probably good enough for you and me. Uh, so that's, uh, that's why I was, I've been reading it. Anyway, we are in Numbers 11. Now this is a, a, quite a long passage, but I want to read the whole passage to you this morning. If you'd like to follow with me, you can. Um, is it up on the screen? The whole, it's up on the screen apparently as well. Um, So you can either follow in your Bible or up on the screen. Now the people, this is the people they've been, they've, they've come out of Egypt and they're not yet in the promised land, okay? Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some on the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabera because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them, don't you you love that? The rabble. I love that word. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. 
The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot and made it into loaves and it tasted like something with olive oil. When the Jews settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people every, Moses Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, "Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you have the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth?" Now Moses turned to complain here. Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? When can I get meat? Where can I get meat for these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and break and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. How the Lord will give you meat. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for one day or two days or five or ten or twenty, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you, and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, Here am I among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish of the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. So Moses went out and told the people that the Lord had said he brought to, and he brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent where the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him. And he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp They were listed among the elders. They did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than ten homers. 
Then they spread them out all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord was against the people and he struck them with a second severe plague. Therefore the place was named Kilbroth Hattavar because there had been because there they buried the people who had craved other food. From Kilbroth Hattavar the people travelled to Hezeroth and stayed there. Happy New Year. <laughs> Sometimes we look at these passages and we go, oh, you know, what the heck is all that about? Why is God being so severe with people? Well, I guess it's up to God how he treats us. He chooses to treat us um, with grace and mercy. And I I love that little bit. Did you notice that in verse 29 where Moses said, I wished that all people prophesied and I I wish that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. Isn't that what happened when Christ came, when, when he ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost? Isn't that exactly what happened? So what Moses desired actually came true some long time later, a thousand odd years later, maybe longer than that. But I can to some degree understand the people. Have you ever had something that you've eaten for a long time and got sick of it? Or have you had a favourite dish that you used to eat a lot of and you would, and, and now you don't eat it at all? I know around Christmas time, I love ham. Mum always cooks a ham and she bastes it and it's got nice kind of glazing over it. Sometimes it's got pineapple on it. But I love ham. But I reckon by about day three or four, I've had ham up to here. You know what I mean? Like somebody will say, what do you want for dinner? Ham? No. Anything but. I'll go vegetarian rather than have ham. (laughs) sometimes you have something so much that you just as good as it is you get sick of it so i can understand why the people were a bit over having this manner this and it says it was like coriander and they they ground it and they baked it and they made loaves out of it and it sustained them but instead of looking at that as God's provision for them in a place that provided nothing, they complained about what they didn't have rather than what they did have. And so it's very easy to be consumed or to be obsessed or to spend a lot of our waking moments wondering If only I had this or this or this, my life would be superb. You know, like when you're a student, you fret about marks, about, you know, am I going to get enough to get what I need to do? You, You young ones, you are very fortunate these days. There are so many pathways into what you can um, want to want to achieve that were not there when I was younger. When I was younger, we had a thing called a TE score, a tertiary entrance score. And if you didn't get enough, there's no way you could get into tertiary education. Now they have a ranking 
And if you don't get enough, you can go and do another course to get your rank up. It might defer you one or two years, but you can eventually get to where you want to go. Or if you're single, you might be fretting about your future husband or wife. Who will that be? Will they find me? Does God know what he's doing? I'm sick of waiting. You know that story. Or if you're young and married, you're kind of thinking, man, this housing market, how the heck am I supposed to even buy into this? And I don't blame you because I think currently house prices are eight times the average annual income, whereas back in 2000, they were only three times the average annual income. So I don't blame you for that. I'd be pinged off. And I'll be petitioned. And governments talk about fixing things. Little high horse here. Government's the problem. They're the ones that have stuffed it up. Anyway, I'll say no more. Or if you've got kids, you worry. Are they going to follow Jesus? Are they going to be able to get a career? Are they going to be able to do this or that? If you're like my age and you're 50, you think... What's going to happen with retirement? Do I have enough? And this is when people, people my age, they, there's always this magic question what's enough to retire? Well, how long's a piece of string and what's your, what sort of lifestyle do you expect? I mean, all of these things we worry about moving into the future. And I don't know what the, um, what the um, Israelites were what other things they were worried about. But in this passage, they're worried about food. They're worried about their appetite and they're worried about where they're going. Will I get there? How long do I have to eat this manna for? I'm sick of it and I want to move forward. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 5. I'm going to just quickly nip out of Exodus and go to Ephesians 5. And it's Ephesians 5, verse 5. It says, For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, can, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Wanting things over God is idolatry. Wanting things at the expense of God is idolatry. Now, does God want to give you good things? Absolutely he does. In fact, in Matthew it says that he is not like our earthly father. How much, if, if our earthly fathers know how to give us good things, how much more does our heavenly father know how to give us good things? Of course he wants to give you good things. But the problem is sometimes the things we want are not beneficial for us. There's two problems going on. One is we think we need something to make our life great. The second problem is there might be a need in our life that exists that we are unaware of. And these are the two big problems when we try to ascertain what do we need moving forward or what should I desire moving forward. Now, there's nothing wrong with having aspirations and goals. In fact, I would argue you need goals in your life. And you need to work towards those goals. But the minute those goals supersede our relationship with the Father, the minute that those goals are not done within the construct of how we treat one another, how we treat finances, 
how we treat worship and spiritual disciplines, when, when those things are not used as guidelines for the goals that you have, we are doing them in the flesh and they become idols. Does that kind of make sense? So it, it's, there's nothing wrong with having a goal. There's nothing wrong with wanting to move forward. But, but do I do that with using the scriptures as my guiding light to get to where I believe God wants me to get to. The other thing too is, what are your goals for you and what are God's goals for you? Do they align? Are they the same? I don't know. You'd have to ask him that. And I would encourage you to ask him that. And usually you know because... As you move towards those goals, if they're ones that God has for you, he just kind of opens doors along the way. Have you experienced that before? Okay. So we don't want to make an idol, but there's nothing. We don't want to make an idol out of things and not having enough. But we also have to make sure that we are content with what we have as well. And sometimes we're not. I say this from vast experience. I know it's hard to believe, but there are some times when I am not content with what I have. There are probably times when you aren't content with what you have either. But God actually wants us to not only be content with what we have, but be thankful for what we have and be brave enough to ask him for his goals and his attributes moving into the future. I think that's a good message for New Year. That's why I wanted to preach on this one today. So, in verses, in verses 1 through to 3, in, in this particular passage, the people are complaining. We don't have enough. They complained of their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and the Lord was not happy. Have you ever thought... You know, you know when... You know when you, when you start to complain in front of family and friends and they kind of give you a response like, are you for real? Or turn it up? I have somebody in my family who says that all the time and he's sitting over there. Turn it up! In other words, get real. You're looking at it glass half empty, not glass half full. And... And, and, and so sometimes we need people in our lives to do that. But, but if you ever thought, and, and the, the prodigal son is a, is, a, is, a, is a classic example of this, where the father has given so much to his children, and yet when that younger son says to the father, I want my inheritance now, what he's doing is he's actually saying, I wish you were dead so that I could have your stuff. In essence, that's what he's saying. I wish you were dead so that I could have your stuff. And sometimes our aspiration for things is done at the expense of some of the most precious relationships we have in our lives. Relationships are burnt because we want things rather than we are thankful for people. These are the consequences that happen. 
And so they complained and the Lord's anger. Have you ever wondered, you know, you know, you know sometimes, it was a big deal a while ago when my kids were in their teens and early 20s. They used to wear these bracelets called What Would Jesus Do? Remember those? WWJD? Maybe we need to do WWJT when we complain. What would Jesus think? Because while you're complaining, he sees all, he knows all. While we're complaining, he's looking at you going, really? Really? I've done all of this for you and you're complaining about this bit that you don't have? And I get it that sometimes we want him to move. Doesn't mean we don't petition him. Doesn't mean we don't ask him. But complaining rather than being thankful doesn't lead to a flourishing spiritual life. Anyway, and then it goes on in verse 4. I love this verse. Verse 4, the rabble with them began to crave other food. Now get this, people are complaining. Some people have been knocked down dead. And then it says the rabble started to complain about other food. If it was me, I'd go, oh, oops, let's take a step back and not complain. These guys don't. These guys double down. Have you met people like that? When they're wrong or when they're um, when there's opposition, it's like they, they just double down and go, no, black's white, white's black. And this is what's happening here. And they're saying, oh, we, we don't have any quiet, we don't have any meat to eat. And I love this bit. Oftentimes, we romanticise about the past. And, and, and they do it in here too. If only, verse, where are we? Verse 5. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the onions and the garlic. What they were omitting was they were the ones tilling the fields, harvesting this stuff for nothing seven days a week from sun up to sundown. They're saying, oh man, I wish we had all this stuff because we had it at no cost. No, they did have it at a cost. The cost was you were slaves. You had no freedom. You were in bondage. And the same thing goes for us. When we complain to the Lord about what we don't have rather than be thankful for what we do have, we're forgetting that we were in bondage to sin before we found him, were we not? Were we not in bondage to idols and self and all of these things and and he's released us from that he's freed us from that and while we might look at others or we might think man i'd like to get to here there's nothing wrong with that but please start with just by being thankful for what god's done for the finances he's provided you with, for the roof over your head. I don't know whether you, you watched the news recently, but it's disturbing to see how many people are having to live in tents these days. How many people just cannot afford the basics of life? I saw a, a clip yesterday that said it, there are record numbers of people deleting their NBN accounts. In fact, NBN is now, as of last month, in decline, not increase. 
Some of that will be because people are choosing to use data on their phones, but some of it will be because people can't afford to pay the bill. Are we not thankful for what we... The fact that you'll probably go home today and you'll have lunch. You'll have a roof over your head. You'll have a bed to sleep in. You've got a car that probably got you here. You might like an upgrade, but you still got. But it still works, doesn't it? Are we not thankful for what the Lord's provided for us? These guys weren't, and I don't blame them because, well, sorry, I do, but you can understand why. They might have been Jews, they might have been the Israelites, but they've been indoctrinated in 400 years of Egyptian culture that they'd forgotten their own. And sometimes we need to filter what is our worldly culture, what is telling us we need more when the Lord is actually telling us, no, I'll give you enough. I'll give you what you need. I'll provide what you need. The other issue that's going on here is that Moses is frustrated. Moses was said to have been the most humble man on all the earth. And I can see that here because I wouldn't have reacted like Moses reacted. I probably would have said, eat your manna and pull your head in. But Moses didn't. Moses said, how am I going to find meat for all these people? How am I going to provide for all these people? And he, he asked the Lord. Not only that, and this is, this is the amazing part about this story. I don't know whether you picked it up, but you know what I said right in the very beginning? We have what we think we need and we have what we do need, but we don't necessarily know that. Two things that are happening here is that God is providing quail and meat for the people who are complaining about it, but he's also providing a movement of his spirit amongst the leaders of that camp. And there were, was it 600 leaders who started to prophesy? God said, I'm going to start, I'm going to spread the load for you, Moses, over these people. I'm going to provide what they need even though what they're asking for is not really what they need. And so sometimes the first question shouldn't be, Lord, I need this. The first question is, Lord, what do you want to give to me? What's the next thing that you have for me? Because God's desire was to transform them and change them and eke out that Egyptian culture from them because they were going and moving into a new land to be reestablished as God's people, God's proclaimers of the good news. But instead of asking for that, they said, we're sick of manna and we want quail. We want meat. Well, they didn't specifically ask for quail. We want meat. Anyway, 
Those two things are happening in parallel in this passage. And don't be surprised if you ask God for one thing and he gives it to you, but he actually works by his spirit in your life, highlighting things that he actually wants to deal with in you that you never even thought were possible. That's his love for you. He loves you enough to not leave you where you are. He loves you enough to allow the Holy Spirit to transform your heart and to bring you to a place where you're actually more like him than your old self. That's his goal. Anyway, um, there, we see this. There's, there's an interesting passage. Just have, if, if you've got your Bibles there, in, in verse 12, where, where he says, I, did, I, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant? to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors. When the people of Israel were going back to the area that is now Israel-Palestine, they, that land had originally been given to Abraham, who was Abram, who became Abraham, who came from Ur, which is in modern-day Iraq, down to where is now modern-day Israel, and that's where Abraham and Sarah started having their children and where Lot, you know, the, the, and, and his wife who turned to a pillar of salt and all this sort of stuff and Sodom and Gomorrah were and all that sort of stuff. This is where this was established. So this is not, people say, oh, why did they go and steal other people's land? No, they didn't. They actually came back to reclaim what was theirs because it had been given to Abraham, the re- what got them out of there? Do you remember the story of Joseph and being thrown in a well and going to Egypt and then the drought coming and then Jacob and the whole family go to Egypt because there's no food there? That's, what, that's why they ended up in Egypt and they were welcomed there until the Pharaoh saw them as a threat and enslaved them and they were there for 400 years and then after that they, they were released by the hand of God and went back to where they came from. So this is not anybody stealing anybody's land. This is actually going back to where they originated. It's a little bit like, do, do you know, I don't know whether you, I used to like watch it on, on Seven, Seven Mate was one of my favourite stations, you know, like uh, Outback Truckers and um, that Sea Selfage one. And there was another one on there where they used to grab repossessed cars. And... Uh, People would guard their vehicle and say, this is my car. But what they didn't realise was they borrowed money against the car and because they weren't making repayments, the bank actually owned the car. If you borrow money against a car, you don't own the car. The bank does. And if you don't make the repayments, they can take it back. Just because you're driving it, it's got your scent in it, it's got your dirty tissues in the centre console, doesn't make it yours. (laughs) they can come and repossess it because it's theirs a little bit like if somebody decided to squat in your house while you're away on holidays do you say oh sorry sorry i'll I'll go find somewhere else no you say buzz off mate it's my house would you like to rent a room 
It's not... It, this Possessions is not nine-tenths, all right, in this particular circumstance. So that's why they were there. That's why they were going back. Anyway, um, and Moses finds himself in a huge amount of frustration and he does, does, and is complaining to the Lord. He's frustrated. His humility is why he doesn't lash out. Sometimes we do get frustrated, and I, I take heart when I read Moses and his frustration, because sometimes we do get frustrated, don't we? You know what it's like with little kids. I mean, sometimes they frustrate you. Anyway. Anyway. So God gives them quail. He says, I'm going to make you eat it until it comes out of your nostrils and your teeth and you're sick of it. The lesson from this passage, folks, is not to not ask God for things. That's a double negative. That's badly worded. The the lesson from this passage is that you can ask God for whatever you want, but just be aware you mightn't get it because it might not be good for your soul. There are some things that he will say yes to. And the best way to ask is to ask the Lord, what does he want to give you moving forward as a good heavenly father? But the step before that, before we ask for anything, is to be thankful for what we already have. It mightn't be the best. It mightn't be the flashiest. It mightn't be between, it mightn't be where we thought we would be at this particular age. But it's his provision nonetheless, is it not? And so I want to give you a couple of things that I want you to, that I think actually um, distract us from these things. The first will help us to overcome anxiety. Did I have these in here? Yeah, some practices for overcoming fear or not having enough. The first one is, admit you're not in control of everything. We aren't in control. Some of us act like we are, but we're not. There are things happening around us that we have no control over, whether it's political stuff, whether it's wars, whether it's your next-door neighbour, you know. All of those sorts of things. We have no control over these things. I mean, sometimes... Sometimes, anyway, you, your neighbours might blast out music and they can legally do that till 11 o'clock at night on a weekend, 10 o'clock through the week. Might annoy you, but it's legal. We're not in control of everything. But what we can do is start to pray about those things we aren't in control of. Second thing is... Practice godly principles in relationships, finance, and integrity. The Bible's pretty clear when it talks about relationship. Oh, what have I got there? Did I? Is that what, oh, have I got? Have I got? Have a thankful attitude even in the tough times. That I do have that. I must have missed that one. Did I? Well, I'm going to keep going with what I've got. Practice godly principles in relationship, finances, and integrity. The Bible's pretty clear that we are to treat 
Are the women as sisters? Are the men as brothers? Older men as we would a father? Older women as we would a mother? Younger ones as we would sons or daughters? The Bible's pretty clear that the body of Christ is not about gaining advantage for self. It's actually about being a blessing to other people. That's why why Paul uses family language in a lot of his letters. When it comes to finances, I mean, don't live beyond your means. Don't spend more than you earn. Save. A good rule of thumb is only borrow for a house. Don't borrow for anything else if you possibly can. And save. And don't try and spend money to impress people. They're not impressed. All right? They're not impressed. Uh, And integrity. Be known as a person of their word. Be known as somebody who will actually um, follow through when when they say they'll do something. Doesn't mean you don't make mistakes on that, but be known as that. Number two, which is actually number three, have a thankful attitude in tough times. What's our normal prayer when we're in tough times? It's God, get me out of here. The prayer should be, God, what are you teaching me here? The next one. What's the next one? Yes, yes. Don't let social media or other people's opinions be the benchmark for what you want. You know when you look on Facebook? Oh, sorry, that's us, just our, us old people, isn't it? Um, you know when you look on Instagram or all that sort of stuff and you look at what people have got and you go, oh, man, I need one of those. No, you don't. How many people have such a great profile online and yet their life is a dumpster fire? I mean, really, it's just the highlight reel. It's just the movie trailer. It's not the whole story. And so don't be sucked into that. And don't be somebody who sucks other people into what you're doing as well. Um, Just post... Anyway, I'll move on. As you practice spiritual disciplines, ask God to transform your heart rather than just get you through the day. You know, sometimes we pray and we say, God, I just need to get through today. Or I'm coming to church to just get me through the week. That's not going to see you being thankful for enough or have enough. Actually asking God to transform your heart. That's what's going to change you rather than just having enough for the day or enough for the week. I've put together a prayer that I would like us to pray together today. There is a little spelling mistake in there I noticed this morning as I was running through my message. But anyway, you'll forgive me of that, won't you? And it's just a prayer of thankfulness for us this year. And if you'd like to pray it, can we all stand together? You don't have to pray it. You can just stay silent if you don't want to pray it. But can we pray? If you would like to pray it with me, let's pray it together. 
Let's go. Father, we thank you for all your provision in our lives. We thank you for your word which shows us how to live, love and thrive in life. We pray that you would be less worried or anxious about what we don't have and thankful for what we do have. Highlight any habits we have that need to change this year to thrive in our lives with you, to be confident about the future and to be generous towards others. If you prayed that prayer, I pray that that prayer actually takes seed in your life. I'll post it on Facebook. What's that? Oh, there's more. Oh, I wrote more than I thought. Thank you. That even though there are areas of life we don't understand, you do understand them. Give us the faith to trust you. We bless you and exalt you as Lord in our lives today. And we pray for your insight, wisdom and provision for 2024. Amen. There you go. I wrote more than I thought. If that's you today, then I would encourage you. I'll post that. I'll get Gaylene to post that on Connect Chat um, on Facebook this week. Um, but if that's you and you would like to just um, uh, give this year to him as a year of thankfulness, then I'd encourage you to do that. Just think about what... what and even just as you leave today, I would encourage you to just think of two things you're thankful for in your life today. Two things. Shouldn't be hard for most of us, should it? Two things. Father, we thank you for all your provision. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to be thankful people. Father, forgive us where we get entitled. Forgive us where we think that sometimes we are owed more than we are. But Lord, also thank you that you are such a good father, that you provide us with so many good things. As your word says, even your, heaven, even your earthly fathers know how to give his, their children good gifts. How much more does your heavenly father? And so for that, Lord, we are thankful and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.